Hey y'all, good morning, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, the Thursday, February 24th edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, first up on today's show, uh, Carlin Gay of NBA International. Uh, we talk all things NBA, uh, his time in Cleveland for the All-Star Game, uh, being there for the top 75 uh, NBA players for that special reunion, uh, Michael Jordan making his uh, his appearance at the end there, and all uh, what, what made uh, Cleveland just a really good All-Star weekend, uh, why the Celtics are thriving as of late, their big man rotation, how Al Horford and Robert Williams fit together and why the defense has just been top-notch. The Suns losing Chris Paul for the foreseeable future. Uh, looking back, now that we've had a couple of weeks to think about the Ben Simmons and for James Harden trade, uh, that if the Nets can still bounce back and climb their way out of uh, the bottom portion of the East into contention, and then if the Heat are a team built for the bubble, as a certain NBA superstar said. So all that and more on this edition of the Chase Most Podcast here early on a Thursday morning. Uh, don't forget, folks, you can actually watch this podcast by going to youtube.com, type in the Chase Most Podcast, hit that subscribe button, uh, hit the thumbs up on all that, and, you know, share it out. It would be uh, extremely beneficial as this show continues to grow. Uh, make sure to go check out the daily newsletter, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type in your email. That's simple. Uh, and if you like this show, please do leave this uh, show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcast. You can always email the show. If you have any NBA questions or any general questions for me, Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, go check out chasethomaspodcast.com, the website where you can get access to all the information about this very show and access to every one of my previous episodes. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am now joined by Carlin Gay. Carlin, how are you doing, sir? I uh, can't complain, Chase. I'm I'm happy to be here, and this is the first time I uh, actually get to see you. It's uh normally we do this and i'm mm-hmm. blindly just speaking into the mic don't know what your facial reactions are to mm-hmm. some of my takes um but now i get to see it all so it's interesting you say that because that was something i was fearful of um before i made the pivot to add a video component because like i've been doing it the other way for seven years and now i'm just i, I don't know i i thought i overthought it where i i just because i would generally speaking look down like when we do these pods or anything like that, I would look down and think like, that's just kind of what I do. I'm like, I can't do that anymore. I can't just like look down as the other person's talking and like, I might scribble some notes on here or something and be like, okay, I'll, I want to go back to that. Uh, but it looks weird if you're doing that while someone's talking to you. And if you're in an actual in-person conversation, you can't just pull up the notepad and be like, hold that thought. I'm uh, I'm I got to <laughs> jot that down and we'll come back to that. Um, so it's just a different kind of thing entirely, but I will say it's been a smoother transition than I thought, uh, to this point. And you've got a good setup behind you. You got, uh, you got some plants, you got yeah. some stuff hanging on the walls. Uh, I think the sports renaissance woman would like it. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, my wife mm-hmm. is, is the, uh, is the, the decorator in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously, uh, did no, had no input in whatever went on the walls or around the house. Um, I barely have an input in my, uh, presence in the house itself. Uh, so, uh, it's all her, it's all her Savannah. Shout, shout out to Savannah Gay. She's, she's, uh, she's holding it down for, uh, for the gay household. There you go. There you go. Um, well, 
what have you been doing, man, with the the All Star break? You haven't watched. I mean, I, I don't watch the All Star stuff. I don't. That doesn't interest me. It. I, I have better things to do. I watched all the Tennessee baseball games in person over the weekend, so that was pretty cool. Um, shout out to them and going undefeated and rain out last night, which was not great um, because <laughs> Tennessee has been crazy and uh, with the in the weather department, but. What have you been watching? Like we, you put me on. I should also. Th- 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 I need to bring this back because you put me onto this when you told me that you were doing one team a week and yes. that's how you were doing stuff. Guess what, Carlin? That's what I do now. Like awesome. that's that's what I've been doing. It's it's so much. It, it's so much more clutch. I mean, I still have to watch every Hawks game, but outside of that, I'm still doing the one team a week at a time, and it's been a delight. Uh, but what have you been doing because you have not been able to watch any new basketball in the last week? Uh, college ball. I've been catching up on college mm-hmm. ball. I watched two good ones last night. Um, I, I, I saw the uh, the new the, or the new old Big East get back into mm-hmm. uh, Big East basketball with uh, UConn, um, the, the UConn uh, Huskies. Who did they play last night? I'm, I was escaping my mind now, and it was a very close game. UConn. Uh, I don't remember who it was, but didn't their coach get kicked out? I did the see coach a double got, T. The coach mm-hmm. got ejected. It was it was a phenomenal game, and, I, and now I can't remember. But it was that in Florida, Florida and Arkansas. That was the second game I was Villanova. Between. Villanova. There you go. Mm-hmm. Big, big Big East battle. Um, so that was a great game. Came down to a a charge call at the end of the game, which you know some people did not like. Um, I thought it was a fine call. Didn't, didn't bother me at all. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the Florida, you know, Arkansas game was, you know, now college basketball games as a whole, they're not, it's not good basketball, uh, mm-hmm. but the atmosphere makes it watchable, um, you know, gets you excited. And uh, last night, two great atmospheres, you know, you had the, you know, Florida home crowd and the Yukon home crowd really bringing it, um, you know, and, that's really what I've been watching uh, the last couple of days. Um, you know, I, I was in Cleveland for All Star Weekend. Uh, I was lucky enough to be there. Um, and what was it like? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I did. It, it was freezing. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Freezing. Cleveland was this is the first time I've, I've been in Cleveland for an extended period of time. And it mm-hmm. was three days, so I can't really have a, a strong opinion on the city. Um, but I will say that that's not something that I'm. I'm not a city that I'm rushing to get back to. With respect to Cleveland, but that it is what it is. Um, but you know, also a weekend for me. Um, you know, it, it it really is dependent on city and and what's happening in that city. And for the smaller cities like the Clevelands and Indiana is coming up, and maybe even Salt Lake City. I've never been to Salt Lake City, but I've definitely been in Indiana. It feels like there's an event there when All Star Weekend arrives. Um, you know, in LA where uh, you know, I think it was in 2018. It doesn't feel like you know there's a an all star weekend happening mm-hmm. in l a um so it, it, at least it felt like there was an all star weekend uh in, in Cleveland um you know and, and everybody was uh you know pretty excited to have that a part of their city those who are from Cleveland Friday night was great I think the new format made the game exciting um as exciting as it could be for an all star game uh the mm-hmm. HBCU classic was awesome um that ended up being a great game um you know the the G League uh, next gem game was was awesome too because you're you're starting to see players that from the ignite anyway um you know and Scoot Henderson and you know and Dyson Daniels and um you know Jaden Hardy Jane Hardy, Scoot, uh, Dyson Daniels, probably two two potential first round picks this summer. Um, you know, Scoot still has some time to to wait, but he's probably the best out of those three guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you, you kind of see the G League and Night guys, and and you're, they're playing in real games. So it's nice to have, um, you know, the, the 
variety a little bit not only the variety but the remove the like the 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 laxness of what an all-star weekend is because an all-star game you you know you have no defense you're just kind of scoring and everything else but i was able to see two games in the hbcu classic and the next gem game where guys were trying uh because scouts Mm -hmm. are there and they want to impress so that that was fun nice nice who what was your favorite moment from the weekend what did uh what did you enjoy there's no question the coolest and um you know thing i've ever seen in an nba arena or, or any arena sports arena for that matter was mm. seeing the 75 players walk out or be announced to the to the crowd um mm. you know, 75 team um that's goosebump stuff i remember where i was when i was watching in 96 uh when the 50 grays players uh were announced and they all got their jackets and i remember um you know just being excited uh you know as a kid just being able to see that and to 25 years later, I would have never guess that I would be in the building for that. Uh, you know, there's only, you know, if you count media, probably I, I would say an, an NBA staff, maybe 30,000 people that were in that arena um, on mm. Sunday. And, you know, you can't take it away from us. Like we were all there live to be able to see that, um, you know, it, it, and that's only going to happen once, you know. So uh, that was an incredible, incredible um experience uh that I, I, that's that's the moments where you pinch yourself saying man I, I get to cover this game i get to you know be a part of this game and in, in in a different way uh as a fan so um you know I, I wasn't working that night i was i was definitely a fan there i wonder like how much of it was saved just by michael making the surprise return from the daytona 500 <laughs> like i wonder if he doesn't make the return back like what that looks like if you don't have the greatest player of all time uh, there for the 75 and 75th anniversary, like that would have been wild. I mean, it, it hurt that Bill Russell didn't make the uh, trip too, um, but you understand why, uh, especially a lot of the older folks, why they would not uh, risk it and that sort of thing. So you mm-hmm. you understand that, but um, yeah, Michael potentially not doing it was pretty amazing because that man was like, I'm going to go watch uh, Bubba Wallace and enjoy myself in the Florida weather. And just kidding. I'm going to come back uh, in uh, an amazing time and just surprise everybody. Um, I don't know. What did, did, did you expect Michael back in the arena? Did you see it? Like, how did that all unfold? I did. For the crowd? I did. Okay. I, I, there was no part of me that, that thought that he wouldn't be there. And I know mm-hmm. I saw a lot online saying that he was at, you know, the Daytona 500, but mm-hmm. like, let's be clear folks. Like this dude has a private jet. He could get anywhere yeah. in the world whenever he, pretty much wants to um and you know from you know the florida to ohio it's not a long trip um mm-hmm. especially if you're flying you know private and you, you get there on your own time so I, I i was confident that he would be there um mm-hmm. what it did though um you know his arrival it did solidify like i know there's a debate about whether him or lebron is the best player of all time or you can even if you go to an older head they might even say uh, other players but his presence there uh on sunday night uh, and and the way that players reacted, including LeBron, mm-hmm. um, it gives you the sense that you know what, like th- that debate should be over. Like he is clearly, um, they, they they the way they reacted, they were telling you that they think that he's the best player of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, just his presence, walking around, and his interactions with some of the players. Um, this new this new uh, I, I don't want to call him a new version, but the the way that uh, Mike has been the last couple of years, where it seems like he's more. Uh, interested in when he's around to spend time just acknowledging the players uh, that he knows looked up to him and he paid the way for um, is 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 what we want out of you know uh, one of the greatest players to ever step on the floor um, and I'm hoping that that continues uh, you know we, we can't expect it to happen every all-star game he's not going to be at every finals event but when he does show up 
Uh, I hope he continues to, you know, run up on Luka Doncic and hug him from behind and, and have that moment. Uh, dap up Carl Towns and have that moment. Because for a lot of these players, we just assume that because you're in the NBA, you get to talk to everybody. No, that's mm-hmm. not the case. Like some some of these players, it was the first time for them to beat these legends that they've been compared to. Like um, I, know, I know I'm sure Luka Doncic might have ran into Magic Johnson before, uh, might have ran. Obviously, he's played LeBron James before, but to be able to not in a game situation, be able to kind of, you know, kick it with that guy on the bench and ask them questions, pick their brains and see their personalities. Like we take that stuff for granted. Um, and and I think the players overall really appreciated that. You think about a guy like Fred Van Vliet, first time all-star mm-hmm. and the chance that he gets to be there is when all the greatest players that have ever played the game are also there and to run into them, uh, you know, in, 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 in the locker room or even uh, backstage or, or at the hotel. Like I saw mm-hmm. a ton, I was in a media hotel and I saw a ton of legends just walking around, you know, mm-hmm. available. Um, that doesn't happen. I can tell you. Did you talk to all of them? I didn't. I didn't talk okay. to all of them, but. Who was the best, who was the who was the uh, the biggest one you talked to? Uh, I wouldn't say biggest one, but mm. the, the one I spent the most time with is Gary Payton because I was in the oh. elevator with him quite a few times. So at, by the mm-hmm. by, like the third time in a row where we were in the elevator, it was almost like all right, like we just have to interact, and mm-hmm. um, so I was able to do that. Um, you know, but I saw Matumbo a ton. Um, you know, he he, he was you know very present there and obviously you can't miss him he's seven feet tall so <laughs> so um those are the ones that really come to sean kemp um those are the ones that really come to mind but you know being in the hotel uh, at other all-star events um you don't often see legends like that just kind of hmm. roaming around um yeah so it was it was very uh you know the, the amount of people that were there for the celebration was uh you know it, it felt great and i could only imagine what it would be like for a player yeah, it's also interesting that we're getting Carlin. We're getting old because I think a lot of these kids, like Car- Carl Anthony Towns, didn't grow up watching Michael. No, like no, none of these dudes, really. Anthony Edwards didn't grow up watching Michael. Uh, there's just it's it's literally impossible. So when kids are like, "Oh, Michael Jordan," it's like, mm, "What have you been watching? What to, <laughs> is that something that you just grew up?" Because I think when they're talking about like Kobe as their Michael, I, th- I believe that. Like right. when they talk about it from that capacity, I'm like, okay, that makes sense to me. I, I'll buy that, but it's different now. Michael Jordan is a different era for these guys. And like you said, it's interesting that you, even with that now being the case, we wondered how that would go because the longer it's been since kids saw him and the longer it goes before people have uh, remember what he played like and remember his time in the NBA. It, it's interesting to see what their perspectives are because they just didn't grow up watching him. They didn't idolize Michael Jordan the same way they idolize uh, Kobe or even LeBron. Uh, but it does seem like they idolize the more superstars idolize Kobe more than LeBron coming up. That that's always been my general sense, um, which makes it even more difficult that he wasn't there um, this weekend yeah. because I I mean I'm sure there would have been an amazing moment uh, between him and uh, Jordan and all that, but. I, I don't know. I, I think because I think even LeBron said like that was something uh, he grew up just with Kobe was his guy. And I don't know. I think that that was something else I was thinking about with this top 75. And just I don't it, it is just interesting that we're just getting to that point now where those guys, they don't have to say Michael Jordan anymore. They mm-hmm. can say different guys. And I wonder who this era. I assume it's LeBron, but um, it's it's interesting because he didn't play the same way as Michael Jordan. He, like the reason you like Kobe is, is the same kind of reason you like jordan if you if lebron is your guy it's a different kind of player it's a different kind of mindset and you enjoy different kinds 
uh, basketball, I think. So I'm just curious and going forward over the next couple of years when people ask uh, the next generation of stars who they identify with or who they grew up loving, it's like, oh, you don't play anything like this person and you grew up loving them. Why Why did you Why did you love LeBron over uh, player X? I don't, I don't know. I just think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I, my, my guess would be it will probably be LeBron. I, I think mm. it's probably what uh, it will end up being. Um, but, you know, I, I, watching that 75 team being named and, and, and all the greats from all the different eras, um, a, a part of me felt some type of way when some of the current guys got named, like Anthony mm. Davis, no disrespect to him, but uh, it might have been too early for him to make it. Damian Lillard, same thing. Um, I'm fine with Giannis making it. Uh, you know, obviously LeBron, KD, Steph, I, I think they all are very much deserving of being uh, named amongst that class. But when you look at some of the players that have yet to reach the, the mountaintop, um, you know, and, and some of the baits that we had uh, way back in uh, October when this team was originally named, and now you've had time to digest it, it, feel, it felt a little bit weird to me um, because some of these guys' careers aren't yet written um mm. you know, Lillard is far from over uh you know Anthony Davis still has work to do in my opinion so um you know to, to kind of give him that title uh it, it did feel a little weird and I'm sure people felt weird when Shaq was named uh, as a you know 50 greatest player of all time had him and he was only three years into his career at the time um had not won a championship had not become who we now know Shaq to be now uh obviously it doesn't look crazy in hindsight but mm-hmm. you know the Damian it was still a gamble Anthony, a little bit Right. But Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis might look a little crazy in hindsight when we get to the 100 team. Um, you know, if they end their career right now, I would say, um, I don't know. If, oh, I don't know man. if it's uh, we'll be around. I don't know if it's uh, I, we'll be around. But I don't want to. Oh, man, that's wild. Oh, <laughs> it is. Oh, wild. It is I don't wild. want to think so, about 25 years out. <laughs> so that yeah, that made me feel a, a little weird. And it also made me appreciate some of the players that, uh, you know, might go underappreciated as time goes on uh, because they did do. Uh, a lot of great things in the league. And, you know, we, we kind of always, um, you know, look at the right now and, you know, is Jokic one of the best players of all time? Well, hold on. Let's let him finish his career. You know, as, mm. uh, you know, is, is, is Kate, Katie is probably in that conversation. Um, but, you know, you could go down Luca Doncic. You, you just brought up Luca. Um, you know, is he one of the best players? He hasn't done anything. He hasn't won a playoff series. Like let him, you know, allow him to grow into that before we start putting him in the class of, uh, some of the all-time greats that have done that. It's a little bit disrespectful, I think. And I think we need to get back to just allowing there, – There's not now I'm not saying that you downplay what these guys are doing because they are doing great things in, in, in the league currently. But mm-hmm. before we start to put them into the upper echelons uh, of the greatest of all time and everything else in the pantheon of greatness, the Hall of Fames and all that stuff, allow their career to play out. Yeah, it's kind of awkward because, the, I mean, you can, you're trying to thread a very uh, difficult needle there with the current players and the retired players and i i don't know that's why these lists are complicated because it's hard not to forecast and it's hard not to do that because i I, yeah this is why i would not do that sort of thing because i would struggle with this way too much um well let's transition a little bit carlin so something that's been interesting to me is like reading and watching the Celtics as of late. the Celtics have figured out a lot of their problems. Um, Jalen and Jason still have a high usage rate. They figured out, I mean, Marcus smart going down. We'll see what that does uh, for the foreseeable future. And we'll get into another big card injury, but out West in a second, but they're doing stuff that's fascinating. And part of it is like Horford and Robert Williams are playing well together, especially Mm -hmm. on defense where uh, Horford is kind of the guy he's, at the top of the key, he's defending the perimeter really well. And then you have Robert Williams as kind of this rover uh, inside. So it's like when Horford is playing at this level and you already have Jalen Brown, who's an all-world defender, and you see 
what Ima Yudoka has done because they were just such a switch heavy team early on the season that like, oh, this is all starting to work out. They're a six seed at the playoffs start today. And when you watch the clips of them, it's like, oh, this shouldn't work in modern basketball. Horford and Robert Williams should not work on the court for a a significant stretch. But you watch it and you're like, oh, this is why this works. And like there are some sets in that Nets game where I was reading this piece on Celtics blog that was outlining this. And I was like, man, because I remember watching that game and it was just one of those things where this is interesting. This is they they play a different brand of basketball than the rest of the league does right now. And I think they're a really fun watch because it's just it's rough, it's difficult, it's frustrating. And I imagine if you are an opposing offense, man, like you do not want to deal with what the Clippers or with what the Celtics are doing defensively right now, right? Yeah, and and I think honestly, this is a, a little bit of residual from the last two championships. Um, you know, in the bubble, the Lakers really bludgeoned teams with a bigger lineup than everyone else when they were able to, and they they got to an elite status when they had Anthony Davis at the five. But they mm-hmm. were able to really you know punish teams with Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis lineups. Um, and, you know, and and having just two bigs on the floor that we haven't seen in quite some time because you know pre- prior to that you had the Warriors that were going small, the Rockets that were going small. Um, you know. To the Raptors, to a certain extent, probably played their best basketball when they were a small lineup. Mm. Um, but now we're starting to get back to that with you know the, the Lakers in the bubble. And last year, uh, obviously, you saw the Milwaukee Bucks do it with Brook Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Now Giannis is Giannis is a you know he's a he's a freak. You know he, mm-hmm. he's not a nor- he's not Robert Williams. He's not you know Al Horford. Um, but you know what Al Horford and Robert Williams could bring to the table is that they're willing to get out there and guard guards. Um, mm-hmm. And that is the difference between you being able to be successful in this role and not. Um, and I think Ime Udoka has you know, done an incredible job of um, building a system that works for the, the team that he has right now. Uh, it took them a while to get to where they are defensively, but they're there. And, and if you look at their best lineup defensively or just even their best lineup on the floor overall, it's Robert Williams, uh, you know, Al Horford, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. Uh, and all five of those guys um, are, are pretty good defenders, uh, but they're also very, you know, apt to switch. Um, you know, they, they have no problem taking on that challenge. And, and, and they're plus 26.1 um, in their in their differential. Uh, that's in the 94th. That's wild. Yeah, that's in their 94th percentile, according to uh, cleaning the glass. So, you know, that's a lineup that's tough to, to, to go up against. Um, and I think, and, and it's, it's able to also score. Um, you know, you have two good ball creators with, uh, with Brown and Tatum, um, you know, and, and, and two green screen setters with Horford, uh, and Robert Williams. So you can get shots off, um, against really good defenses and, you know, it, it's working for them. And I think it's working not only for them, but some other teams in the league, when you look at the Cavs, their success, you know, they've had Evan Mobley at, at times play the three for them. And Evan Mobley is he probably played four or five the entire time in college um, and probably is better suited as a four in the NBA. Uh, I know Markin has been out, but once he's healthy, like they, there's a chance when they have, you know, three big men on the team on, on the floor at a, you know, at a, at a high level. Well, right now it's Evan Mobley and uh, all-star Jared Allen uh, that, you know, that's doing uh, work down low with, uh, with the big. So um, there are teams that are finding success, um, you know, finding it with, with two big men on the floor, um, the key to that is obviously the willingness to uh, switch defensively onto guards and wings, but also the spacing on offense. Uh, that it comes down to that as as well. And Al Horford, you know, for his credit, he's been able to extend his career because of his extended range. Um, you know, if you remember him in Atlanta, uh, oh, I remember. You know, yeah, he he wasn't a guy that was going to step out and take a three, but mm-hmm. now look at him. You know, if if he's not able to do that. 
he, he's probably out of the league by now. So yeah. I give him all the credit in the world for for extending his career, putting in work, and, and adding to his game even this late in his career. And he's an assassin in the mid-range, uh, so that yeah. definitely helps as well. Horford's awesome. Um, and, it, man, what would – you mentioned the Cavs. Like, if we get a Cavs-Celtics first-round series, like – I'm betting the ha- I, like uh, a friend of the pod, Mark Schindler, uh, tweeted out um, yesterday who does great work on basketball coverage. He he tweeted out, and I didn't want to because I don't really tweet. I don't I don't like engaging on Twitter. I, I'd rather have that form on this podcast where we can actually have a conversation about it. I don't right. want to back and forth on Twitter. Um, so generally speaking, I'm not going to do it. Not going to engage. But there was something I wanted to mention was just that like he said, we need to start thinking about essentially like how do other teams match up with the Cavs? Not can the Cavs win a first round series? It's like, how does someone else beat the Cavs? And I'm like, no, Jared Allen is going to be the best player on the Cavs. This playoff series, like Darius Garland's close, but Evan Mobley still a rookie. We're going to see how Markinen comes back. We're going to see like, they've been a great regular season story. And I think the Cavs are fine. Like they're going in the right direction. You get the Celtics in a first round series. Like I'm not saying I would bet the mortgage on the Celtics over the Cavs in a first round series, but I'm definitely not saying don't do that. Um, depending on who it is, if it's the Nets, if it's the Celtics, the Raptors, you can sell me on maybe that one you can sell me on. But Jared Allen is that like when you watch the Cavs, he is maybe the most important player to their success to this point. And that's great in the regular season. That's not going to work come playoff time. And Evan Mobley, like rookies, it's just it's going to take some time. And we love Mobley and Darius Garland has just been awesome this year. Um, he was also deserving of an all star uh, opportunity. But like that's not a group that I'm betting on a seven game series like that. I, I'm not doing that. That's, that's not happening yet. I, I, maybe I'm being too low and I'm not trying like, Hey, Cleveland fans are awesome. Shout out to the guys over at fear the sword and everything else. And the, um, the chase down over there. So mm-hmm. look, very pro Cavs. I just don't believe in a seven game series. And if you get matched up with this Celtics team with the way their defense is playing and what they would do to this Cavs big, heavy offense, like, I am betting on the Celtics going big over the Cavs going big every single day of the week. Yeah, I, I think it just comes down to half-court scoring because that's mm-hmm. what the playoffs is. And if yep. you look at it right now, the, the Celtics are 11th in the league in terms of half-court points, uh, and they're at 95.9 per one of possessions. Mm-hmm. If you look at the Cavs, uh, they are 21st in the league in half-court points, and that's 93.1. And it's not a huge gap, but that gap uh, in the postseason – you know, it's it's a couple of possessions that change the game, and and that's in the regular season when you are sometimes going up against teams uh, that have no business being on the floor defensively. That just you know are, are going to be a turnstile defensively and allow you to score. And if you're you can't get it done, or at least be in the middle of the pack uh, in the league, I can't trust your offense. Um, you know, in the postseason when you're going up against defenses that have had time to game plan for you specifically, and they're actually good. Um, there's one thing to be able to game plan for a team and then not be able to stop them, but mm-hmm. Also, you know, these teams are actually good defensively in the league. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the Cavs. That's the one thing that I worry about with them is it, are they going to be able to score enough in the half court? And realistically, um, you know, I know everyone talks about how close the East is right now. Um, all those teams that, you know, are, you know, outside of the nets, uh, you know, from that six to 10 range, they're going to have trouble scoring in the half court period. And I think that's going to be, and that, and I'll include the Cavs. I know they're fourth right now. Um, they're going to have trouble scoring in the half court against really good teams. And I think that's going to be their downfall in the postseason. Yeah, we'll, we'll end up seeing what happens there. Um, I, I don't know, but it would be fun. I would very much love that first round matchup. Um, Chris Paul out six to eight weeks. This was something I talked about in this podcast throughout this year. It was like part of the reason um that the suns and this is uh, just 
a good thing for the Suns is like continuity. We know continuity wins in this league, and mm-hmm. continuity is a big part of sustained success in this league. They have had it. Like they've played the same eight guys for almost two years now. Like it's just they have had some of the best injury luck around the league. And that's not a slight against Phoenix, but that is the main reason that they are just gobbling up these regular season wins. That's the reason they went as far as they did in the playoffs is that like Booker, Paul, uh, Bridges, Aiton, um, Crowder, Cam, and just insert guy here. I mean, Cameron Payne's now been out for a little bit, but um, they've had the same group of guys. Like they have not had to go to the well. They've not had to figure stuff out on the bench. They haven't had to put insert guy here, take this guy out. Um, their main core pieces have been healthy. And now we're in a different situation where now we've seen the first um, domino potentially fall with Phoenix is that, man, they really need Chris Paul healthy because Golden State's not going anywhere. Golden State's not going anywhere. Um, I've canceled off Utah. Like, I'm never going to forgive Utah for what they did at the deadline this year. That just, I, that upset me in so many different ways because I, before the year, I had Utah in the NBA Finals. And that is my mistake for believing that they would <laughs> do something at the deadline to really try and do something other than just, what if we kept doing what we've been doing? That's one of our regular season games. And then we'll see what happens this year. Um, but yeah, uh, that's another podcast. But CP out, what are you most intrigued about with Phoenix? Um, what does this mean for Tevin Booker's usage? What does this mean for Aiton, um, who plays so well with uh, CP? Do we see an uptick in usage for McHale? What are you What are you forecasting for the Suns over the next month and a half? Yeah, I, I honestly, Chase, one thing that really stuck out to me at All-Star Weekend in, in the media sessions uh, was, was Monty Williams and the way mm-hmm. that he was speaking about his team. Um, and he was – one quote that stood out to me the, the, the most was him talking about his team's attention to detail and this year being at an all-time high uh, and you know the reason why they've been able to be as good as they have been this season and not falling off from you know maybe having a, a finals loss hangover or anything like that. Um, and it, it's it's with Booker, it's with all the young guys. Uh, we knew that CP's attention to detail is insane and probably annoying to some point if you were a teammate of his. But everyone else uh, has kind of you know fell in line with that and realizing mm-hmm. that you know talent is not the only thing that's going to get you to the next level. It's being aware of you know your opponent and making sure that you're getting the right shot at the right time and everything else. Uh, being on a string defensively, all those things he talked about, and I think. You know, when coaches talk about that stuff, that only normally applies to the best two players or three players on the team or even maybe the starters. I feel like Monty was talking about that as if, you know, that the same attention to detail, you know, he expressed wasn't only through Chris and, and, and Devin Booker, but it would go down to the 12th man. Uh, and, and and that's why I feel confident that the Suns are going to be OK, uh, at least in the regular season. Now, obviously, if Chris Paul's unable to come back in the playoffs, that changes everything for them. That that does, you know, significantly hurt their championship hopes. But I think, you know, with the lead that they have in the Western Conference, they'll be able to step up. I also think that this uh, is an opportunity for Devin Booker to enter himself into the MVP conversation. Um, you know, hmm. he might have split votes with Chris Paul, uh, and probably Chris Paul would probably take the majority of those votes um, had he stayed healthy throughout the rest of the regular season. And I do think that Chris Paul is, should be in that MVP conversation. But him being out now uh, for as long as he potentially could be out, it takes him out of the race, but it opens it up for Devin Booker. Uh, if Booker's able to play at the level which he's been playing at right now, and maybe even take another you know uptick there, uh, given the fact that he's going to be you know his usage should go up, um, and he's going to be expected to score and you know and, and help 
playmake a little bit more. Um, I, I think that might get him into the argument. Uh, I know Jokic and Embiid are one and two, uh, wherever you want to place them. I probably have Jokic ahead right now. That could change tomorrow. Um, I, I really have been flip-flopping between those two. Giannis is right there. Um, mm-hmm. I think if, if Milwaukee makes a run and gets into the top two, top three uh, of the Eastern Conference, maybe we're having a different discussion, and it's it's you know very possible they do that. Uh, but I think if Devin Booker steps up the way he did last year in the playoffs and Chris Paul had to miss a couple of games due to COVID. Um, you know, I, I really do think that this Phoenix Suns team will not only lock up the, the top overall seed in the West, but should have the best record in the NBA. And uh, it will be in large part to the fact that Devin Booker was able to step up and, you know, continue this run that they've had. It's only, you know, a short amount of time. It's, a, you know, just over 20 games for them to do that. I think he has that in him. Um, and I, I also think that more people are starting to pay attention to the improvements he's made defensively as well. Um, you know, he's probably not, you know, he's not locked down. He's not Kawhi. He's not Giannis. He's never going to be in the conversation for all defensive team. But he is trying on the defensive end uh, now. There, there are less times where you're looking at games w- with the Suns and you see him, you know, just allow guys to blow by him. He, he, he is putting an effort there. And, you know, obviously uh, that's rubbed off on his team. They're, they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. So I think when you bring all of those things into, you know, uh, you know, into the, to the ball, when the crystal ball, when you look at what could happen with the Phoenix Suns, um, you know, it, it should, I don't want to say an injury is a positive, but it should kind of shine a light on the rest of the guys. And I also hold that hope because I've seen, you know, Bismack Biombo step up when DeAndre Ayton went down with an injury. I saw, you know, uh, Frank Kaminsky step up as well before he went down with the injury. Um, you know, campaign last year, you know, came off the bench and was incredible for the Phoenix Suns. I wonder if he still has some of that in him. Uh, this might give Alfred Payton, who's, you know, playing close to 10 minutes a game, I think, for them. Maybe he gives them a little bit more. Um, and, and he is a, a better defender than I think most people realize. Landry Shamit is a guy who's been knocking down threes for them all year long. Now he gets a couple more shots per game. So um, I, I do think they're built better to handle this uh, than they might have been a year ago. I think Monty is the perfect coach to make sure that they continue to stay motivated. This is that this is that motivation because they they have proved to everyone that right now they are the best team in the league. Right now, I think they are the best in in, in the league. But now, um, you know, the, he has that that way of motivating motivating them, being like, "Hey, Chris is out. A lot of people are expecting you to fall. Let's keep that level." And they could close out very strong here. I think uh, they, they should be able to do that. And I think Devin Booker steps up and, and answers that MVP conversation. Well, and I, the time is of the essence because it's the last year before LeBron sides in at that number five spot for Phoenix <laughs> going into next year. Yeah, um, yeah. I, Carl, and I've said I said this a year ago, and I'm sticking to this. And I, I still think LeBron finishes the Sun and eventually owns the Phoenix Suns with okay. James Jones, his friend. That's how I think this ends: is okay. he finishes out his career in Phoenix. He goes, partners up with James Jones. He's turning into a natural five anyway. Like that's how he's going to finish his career as a center in today's NBA. You max out, sign and trade DeAndre Aiden to Los Angeles. Probably going to cost you bridges or something close. Sure. And then it's CP, Booker, Crowder, LeBron at the end. That's if they... How many mm-hmm. draft picks do they have? Because I, you know, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to draft Bronny. Like you're not getting mm-hmm. LeBron just just to get LeBron. Nowadays. See, I don't know. Like, is Bronny? We still don't know. Like, can we can we get a couple more years? Can we get there before we're sure that he's an NBA player or even like a second round NBA player? I, have no I, idea. I don't know. I have no idea. I've never seen the kid play. I don't plan on Same. watching Eric Canyon play. Yeah. I, I only know that he's LeBron's son. Uh, right. Honestly, if I'm a GM, that might be good enough for me to get LeBron, honestly. <laughs> I, you know, he, he doesn't have to yeah. play. He, he just has to be on the team, in my opinion. You know, True. Him. 
So well, it's not far from home. Phoenix no. is not far from LA. I don't yeah. know. That's just what I think. That's how I think this ends. But the we'll see. Sato Takumpo was on a basketball team, on a pro team, right? And you that's know, true. I, I, if the deal is that you got to deal with the Nasus, um to have Giannis, the best player in the world right now, uh, for my money, then hey, I'm taking Thanasis all day long. And Thanasis is is fine. He's serviceable. Like he's mm-hmm. not he's not a starter in the NBA, but you can play him ten minutes and not and not have him embarrass himself. So I'm cool with that. You know, if that if that's the bar, then I'm cool with that. Um, now that it's been uh, a couple weeks since the NBA trade deadline, that we've had the All Star break and you've been able to really think and really just because this was an active trade deadline. This sure. is one of the more active trade deadlines in our lifetime, and it was pretty wild. And it's kind of wild still to think about what actually did happen. Um, when you think about it, though, and you're it's been a little bit of time, you're like, okay. Now that it's really set in, I actually like this trade more than I did as my first reflex. What trade was that? I like the Simmons to to Brooklyn trade more than I I originally thought. Um, for who? For for the Nets. Okay. Um, I I think this is the uh, the weird situation where both teams are going to benefit from both mm-hmm. guys. I do think longer term that the Nets made out okay uh, by getting Ben Simmons here. Um, you know they, they've added. Uh, and it's not just the fact that they got Ben Simmons, but adding Seth Curry. Um, and, you know, uh, most people won't say that that's a big deal, but it is. Uh, adding Andre Drummond, most people say, well, that's not a huge deal, but it is. Um, this is a Nets team that was probably maybe six or seven deep uh, mm-hmm. because Joe Harris has been hurt. Um, you know, they just didn't have much depth at the backup point guard position outside of Kyrie Irving when he wasn't able to play. Now you have that. Now you have a problem for Steve Nash where, you know, you're going to look at your bench and you might have to sit down a guy like Bruce Brown who had given you solid minutes uh, all season long. You might have to sit a guy like, you know, Blake Griffin down who played terrific in the playoffs uh, and did everything that you asked from him trying to guard Giannis after the Kumpo. Um, you know, Cam Thomas is, uh, you know, a rookie for them that has stepped up and and, and hit some big shots. Um, you know, that that's kind of found money for them. Uh, and he's going to be, you know, I, I doubt he plays big minutes in postseason, but in a pinch, maybe you go to him, you know, if, yeah. uh, you know, if there, if there is an injury or two, which, you know, seems to happen every playoff run, maybe you go to him. Um, so I, I do like what the Nets did. Uh, and then on top of it, they got an all-star in Ben Simmons at the end of the day, right? Like, let's let's not forget that Ben Simmons is a really good basketball player. Take what you want out of the six minutes, the last six minutes of Game 7 against Atlanta. Uh, throw that out the window. Take what you want about uh, how he played or flamed out when they played the Celtics and they lost in, you know, 4-1 in that series, I think it was, or even got swept in that series, uh, and throw it out the window. The way he played against Toronto, you can throw it out the window as well because he's not going to be in the same position and have the same expectations uh, to perform at a high level if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are both healthy and available. He'll be the third wheel. He's never been the third wheel. And the one time he was the third wheel, they almost beat the Raptors and made their way and probably would have made the finals with that team. He was the third wheel behind Joel Embiid and Jimmy Butler. And they played pretty well and had, you know, a miracle shot beat them at the buzzer, right? Like, yeah, I think I still will say that they were going to win the finals if the Raptors didn't hit that shot. Like, I think yeah. that was actually a championship team if that went you a could at way. least You could at least pencil into the finals, right? You mm-hmm. could have at least put them in there. So, um, now he's in a similar situation, right? Like, you know, Jimmy left in, in Philly and his expectations went up. Um, and now I think people understand what he is as a player. Really good defender. Probably one of the five best defenders in the NBA. Uh, you know, a really good playmaker as well. And he ha- he's in a situation now where his go-to player is a guy that likes the ball in the perimeter, which he doesn't have to fight for space with underneath. This, the second option, which is Kyrie Irving, is another guy who likes the ball in the perimeter, does not have to fight for space underneath. And he can kind of, you know, 
be a, a star in the league by doing dirty the dirty work. Um, we've seen Draymond Green, you know, play pretty well doing that and 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 able to get to all star games and everything else without having to take a jump shot, really, um, you know, or go to the free throw line. Uh, and he's won a championship doing that. So I think it's going to take some time for them to to gel. And I think Ben as well, uh, because he's coming out of a situation where his role changed a lot. Now he's going to have some stability um, and, and be in one role, one system uh, that the Nets want to get up and down the floor. I think that suits Ben very well, um, you know, under Steve Nash. Now in the postseason, there is going to be some growing pains because the game slows down a bit. But in the regular season, I think this is a team that if they start the season uh, with their roster, they win 60 games, you know, easily, easily. And, um, you know, I, I do think that they've they've won the trade uh, slightly, slightly, not not, in, you know, it's not like a, a wide margin, but I have to pick a winner. This is sports at the end of the day. And I do think that the Nets have won the trade. Um, and I think people are kind of sleeping on the, the, the two pieces in Seth Curry and Andre Drummond um, that the Nets desperately needed. You know, the Nets have been out rebounded at times in games, even with their full roster, right? Like they've, they've been out rebounded and we haven't seen Kyrie Irving and, and Harden and KD play together a ton, but we've seen, um, you know, Kyrie and KD play, you know, and they had been out rebounded and dominated inside. That's not going to happen with Andre Drummond as much as it did in the past. This is a guy who's, you know, has had some 20 rebound games, um, you know, playing in Philly when Joel Embiid sat out. Um, you know, Seth Curry is a great shooter, you know, and, and, and yeah, he might get picked on defensively uh, in the playoffs, but he's going to make up for that with his floor spacing on the other side. Um, and, you know, you have Patty Mills, you, you, you get back Joe Harris, hopefully healthy, um, you know, and, and off we go. They, they have more versatility lineup wise, I think the Nets do, um, you know, because there, there's times where you can play Bennett, the point guard or the five and, and, and not worried about it. Um, so I, I do think that the Nets, uh, you know, Kenny Moy with the, the win on trade deadline for, you know, the long term. I think in the immediate future, I, I do like the Sixers ceiling a little bit higher this season. But, you know, next year, uh, I think everyone should fear Brooklyn because they're going to be a tough team. Next year is a key because I think they're too big of they're in too big of a hole. The Hawks are kind of in this same situation where you've just dug yourself too big of a hole with the losses and where they are in the standings. Like I think it's asking too much to acclimate uh, Ben. I'm not even sure we see Ben Simmons this year. Like I, I still oh, we're seeing him. You are, are we sure? Hundred percent, we're seeing him. And okay. I I from Do you have people, some inside info. Okay, not inside info, but from the people that I've uh, spoken mm-hmm. that are have been around and covered Ben enough, the, they mm-hmm. brought up a good point in saying this. You know, Ben Simmons left the locker room in Philadelphia, you know, where most people in that locker room are kind of doubting his toughness. Mm. He can, and and he's maybe even entering the Brooklyn locker room where most people are kind of doubting his toughness. And you can say a lot about, you know, the mental health situation and, and everything else, which rightfully so. Um, no one knows what he went through or anything else. But uh, at, at some point, he's going to have to prove to his teammates that he has their back as much as so that they are able to have his. And I don't think he had that in Philadelphia, which probably led to this divert, this this public divorce. Um, mm-hmm. But the best way to kind of mend or start a relationship with your new team is to show um, that you're going to do everything that you can, uh, you know, to, 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 to fight for a championship, because that's what everybody's doing at the end of the day in the NBA. So um, I do think that we see him play. I do think that we see him play. It's probably not. And I know Ramona Sheldon said that, you know, it's probably going to be weeks or anything like that. Yeah, I think I think we get 
get them a lot sooner um, than than anticipated because, as you mm-hmm. said, Nets don't have plenty of time. Um, you know, to they mess need to get out of the eight spot. They need to be in that six spot somewhere in that five six spot. They've. Not I think you can still. Yeah. It's, it's 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 more so just to, to to figure out meshing with Kevin Durant. Yeah. And, and Kyrie Irving, like forget about wins and losses. At the end of the day, these guys have never played together. To, you know, so they need to do that. Um, you know, because they're going to make the playoffs, right? Like, or the play in at least. But can you imagine the fireworks if we get? Have to. If we get Hawks Nets fighting for that eight spot, which is where we could be right now, like right. the fireworks of Trey versus Katie and Kai. Like I, man. And then what if it was like if they don't change the rules um, in New York City for Kyrie before then, and they the Nets tank for that nine spot instead of the eight spot so that they have to go on the road instead of mm. playing at home because they don't get Kyrie. That is some game theory going on right there to, yeah, to have Kyrie. Depends where you're going, right? Like if you, yeah. if you go on the road to Toronto, Kyrie can't play. True. So. That's true. But Atlanta, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't think the Hawks are making the playoffs. Like I think we're we're there. I think they are a playing team and then you're asking a lot at that 9-10 spot because I don't think they're catching Toronto. I don't think they're catching Brooklyn and then you're just kind of I think Toronto's asking close. a lot. I do think Toronto. Okay. They have a, I know but how I know, much do they slip? Like I, it's going to require a significant slide. I don't think so. Cause I, what I, are they I do, seven games over 500? Yeah. But you're looking at a schedule where, so they play the most amount of games remaining. They have the most amount of games hmm. remaining in the league at 25. Uh, and I know that according to some metrics and, I, and I'm specifically going to call it the tankathon, uh, they have hmm. one of the easiest schedules in the NBA, but that's based off of record, right? Like, so they still play the nets twice. The Nets mm-hmm. aren't an easy team, but their record says that they're easy, an easy team. Um, you know, they have a, a home and, uh, and away against the Brooklyn Nets. They have a bunch of road games coming up. I know that they have, um, you know, I think they have four back-to-backs. Like, that stuff adds up, um, and it's not just going to be Dream Street for them. They're not just going to slide through. I do think that they they might have some struggles down the stretch here. I could see it. I don't know. I just... I'm so excited for the fireworks, like folks who are not ready for what's going to happen in Atlanta this summer. I just, I I cannot wait. Like it's going to be absolute chaos, absolute chaos, Um, which I'm here for because this is time is of the essence and Trey needs help. And this is, this is all not working. And uh, I am very curious because I am ready for Trey to be paired with another star. That's all I want. Like I've been waiting for us to use all these picks, use all the young guys and flip them for somebody that Trey can win with. Because once you made the Eastern Conference Finals, everything changed. Like it's over. Like Trey, that's his expectation going forward. And we are seeing with Zion, we're seeing with young players around the league. The clock is ticking way earlier than these small and medium markets would like. If you miss the playoffs with Trey after what you did last year, like it's a rough offseason. He's like, you're fixing something like this. Mm -hmm. This is not happening. I am not doing this again next year. I'm not playing a full 82 game season with the same group that I just missed the playoffs with. That's not happening. We're we're fixing this. There's just that's why I'm just so curious what happens, because I think whatever happens this summer is going to be dictated by uh, the sign off from a top 10 player in the NBA. So that is something I'm here for, because I have no idea what that means. Um, We'll end on this front. Uh, Corbin, because I, I, I am just, I don't know. I, I think this is going to be extremely interesting, which is, are the Heat a bubble team? This is something that, uh, a comment that was made this week, and I, it, like Giannis just, it's funny. Giannis can do this. He won a title, but I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know what that it really means is that the, they're grinders and that they're built to just like, 
bring teams in the mud and take advantage of just their physical style and win games a certain kind of way because they were a team that went to the NBA Finals in the bubble. But you could also make the case that the Lakers were built for a bubble team because they needed uh, Anthony Davis and this group of guys to be completely focused on one mission for that extended period of time. And now betting on Anthony Davis to be healthy for a full title run again, probably unlikely based on what we've seen to this point. Um, I don't know. Like I, the Heat are just winning a bunch of games. They're awesome. They're a well-oiled machine, Carlin. And I, I don't know. Like, do you buy any of that? Yeah, I like the C team. Okay. I love them. Uh, I, I, I was in the building uh, game one for them. Uh, they played the Milwaukee Bucks uh, game one in the season. And one of the opening plays of the year was P.J. Tucker taking a hard foul. Uh, I believe it was on Giannis. And mm-hmm. right there and then, I said to myself, mental note, this is a team that is not playing around. That's a message you send to the defending champions early in the season uh, that says, hey, we're not going to be pushed around the way we were in the playoffs last year on mm-hmm. by a dude that was not even on the team. Um, you know, in, in getting pushed out of the playoffs last year. And he was actually on your team, you know, that, mm-hmm. that helped you win the championship. And I think the mentality in Miami, um, you know, reminds me very much of a, any team that Pat Riley loves to put together where they are tough. You're not going to have layups. You're not going to be, you know, you might see a ton of games in the nineties when you play them in the postseason. Um, but you know, and you may beat them. But you're, you're gonna you're gonna leave some blood on the floor if you do, and you know I I love that style of basketball for this Heat team. They're scrappy. Um, there's gonna be games, and they and they don't care about numbers. That's the most mm. important thing about this entire team. I think Jimmy Butler is is the perfect leader for this team. A guy that you know could go ahead and score five points and will be happy with the victory as if he scored fifty and they lost. Um, you know Tyler Hero if he's healthy. He's a perfect creator, spark plug off the bench. Um, you know, Bam Adebayo can guard. You know, pretty much anyone one to five for an entire series is going to make you, you know, make it tough on you. And Kyle Lowry has enough in the tank that he can give you two or three games where he, you know, swings momentum, um, you know, the other way. And uh, I think that's enough for them to win. I, I do think that this is a championship caliber team. Uh, I, I do think that adding Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker was needed from what they were a season ago. Um, because now you have two guys who know how to get it done, uh, who, who know how to win a championship and fit the heat culture that they've been building for a very long time. The chip on the shoulder that this heat team has, they're in first place. Everybody's looking at them and saying that you guys got to the championship uh, you know, within the bubble. It's not a real run where they mm-hmm. beat some pretty good teams and beat them handily to get there and came within two games of winning an NBA championship with LeBron James in his prime and Anthony Davis playing the best basketball he's played in his life. Um, so I, I believe in this Heat team. Uh, I believe in Eric Spostra. I think he wins coach of the year this year should. Um, if I had a vote, I'm voting for him. Uh, and I think that they can play any style they want to. They can get up and down the floor. They can beat you in the half court. They can grind you out. They can play up tempo, whatever you want. If they want to go, to, if you want to go to your bench, um, they can go to that too. They have shown that they can stay consistently good all year long. And let's let's not forget, you talk about injuries. Jimmy Butler's only played in 40 games this year. Bam Adebayo has only played in 34 games this year. You know, the most the healthiest player they've had all year long was Duncan Robinson, right? If you had said that at the beginning of the year, this Heat team would have Duncan Robinson play in you know the most games for this team, and that they would be in first place in the Eastern Conference, you'd probably be like, nah, you know, I I don't think so. I I think they'd be more in that sixth or seventh range. But guess what? Yeah, 
early in the conference. I do believe in the C team. I think I believe in more than Chicago. I'll leave it at that. I agree with that um, for sure. But we'll see, man. I'm excited because I want to see what Chicago and Miami does in the postseason. I want to see like the East is just going to be so much fun. The East is going to be a bloodbath. The West, we can sim it like we can really right. just sim through that. Let's just get to the Western Conference Finals with Warrior right. Suns. Like we don't need to do any of the other stuff. The East, nothing would surprise me. There is nothing that would surprise me one through eight. Um, and that's what I, I'm just I'm so excited because it used to be flipped. Like this is how we thought about the Western Conference the for Warriors. years. I'm not I'm not sold on the Warriors. I know that's another okay. podcast for another time, but I mm-hmm. want to make that clear. Uh, I need to see a little bit more from the Warriors before the playoffs start. I think if the Warriors end up in second seed mm-hmm. and the Lakers end up with the seventh seed, healthy, healthy Laker team, the Warriors are in big trouble. Oh wow! Okay. I like it. I like Carlin. What can uh, we check out on NBA International this week? Yeah, we also have uh, we have some good stuff coming up. Uh, I you know I actually got tweeted about talking about the Lakers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in our in our storyline, someone was not impressed with the fact that we weren't talking enough about his Phoenix Suns when the Phoenix Suns were actually the first storyline in that piece. So he skipped that and went down to the part where. I wrote about the Lakers anyway. Um, so we talk about the Lakers, um, you know, Ben Simmons uh, should be coming back soon. Um, you know, but James Harden, um, you know, from all accounts, everyone that I talked to, no one's ever said this, you know, formally yet, but I think he plays on Friday in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So we'll be excited for that. Uh, wow. And then, and then just generally speaking, um, you know, there's, there's very little time. The all-star break used to happen, Chase, like closer to the middle of the season. Like I said, the Raptors have the most games left played. Uh, to play 25 like that's not a lot you know when you by the time we get past March Madness we're, we're gonna blink and you know we'll have two weeks left in this not even a, a week left in the season actually now this year uh, and we're going right to the play-in tournament right after March Madness it's going to happen just like that um, so if you're a casual NBA fan I'll say to you don't miss anything because as you said that race in the east is going to be competitive uh, and seating is going to matter in the west especially with some of these injuries there you go. There you go. Carlin, enjoy your last night uh, without NBA action to, uh, to watch. AW, it. baby. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Carlin Gay, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for making the time, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Appreciate you. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you again to Carlin Gay for coming on this edition of the podcast. Uh, make sure you go give him a follow on Twitter if you have not already done so. Uh, also, if you like listening to this very episode, please do make sure you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps other people find the show and uh, helps uh, for me to know what we're doing well and what we can improve on. So yeah, make sure you do leave a review on Apple Podcasts uh, if you can. Um, also, you can email the show at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at Facebook dot com slash chase thomas writer and check us out on youtube uh go ahead and type in uh the chase thomas podcast on youtube hit that subscribe button thumbs up emoji all that kind of stuff share it out and uh help other people find the show if you want to watch it uh just a different different option there so uh new episode coming up in just one second uh uncle Derek, how'd i do Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.